Welcome to the Economically Speaking Podcast, hosted by the Town of Babylon IDA CEO, Tom Dolan. Welcome. I'm Tom Dolan, CEO of the Town of Babylon IDA, and you are listening to Economically Speaking, the information podcast designed to deliver the latest economic development news in the town and the surrounding region. Today's episode, episode three, we will be discussing one of the initiatives that came about as part of the Babylon is Back program responding to the impact of COVID-19. This discussion will be on the Economic Inclusion Initiative with my special guest, Tracy Edwards, who is the NAACP Long Island Regional Director, and Dan Lloyd, founder of Minority Millennials. We have partnered with both our guests to help fuel our economic inclusion program. So guys, thanks for being here today. It's uh, it's a pleasure to see you both. And I uh, just want to give you an opportunity, Tracy, maybe you could just share with our listeners a little bit as far as um, the work that you do here. I know you wear a lot of different hats, but uh, the work that you do as the regional director for the NAACP here. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for having me join today. You know, the NAACP has been doing this work since 1909. Uh, and it just seems as though every year, every decade, we're back to doing the same things, which is trying to bring economic sustainability and, and justice for all people. Hmm. Uh, I'm sure you can imagine the last year and, and this year has been challenging, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that. Sure, uh, sure. But uh, I will say that the things and challenges on Long Island are representative to what's going on in the rest of the world. So I just try to do the little bit of a part that I have with the support of a great team Mm -hmm. of branch presidents under the leadership of our wonderful president, Hazel Dukes. Ah, That's great, yes, and uh, we know you do a lot of work in the community. And Dan, uh, thank you for being here today. Uh, You guys have been great partners with us. Why don't you just share a little bit as far as some of the work that you're doing and then We'll get into talking a little bit about the economic inclusion uh, initiative that started here. Perfect. Yes, and thank you, Tom, and I appreciate the IDA for hosting this conversation today and having us. Uh, my name is Dan Lloyd. I'm the founding president of Minority Millennials. And we, we started about three years ago, and our purpose and our mission is to equip young people of color across Long Island with the tools necessary to overcome inequities and drive innovation across the region, honestly. And so we focus on three components. This is basically our ecosystem. The first one being civic engagement. So we really attract and draw potential members with the idea that if you're civically engaged, it's a lot of knowledge and opportunity that could come out with being um, invested into your community sure. and what that means. And then the third component of that engagement then drives into workforce development. So creating career pathways with private and public partnerships and corporations for our potential members and the surrounding um, advocates. And a third component is, you know, really a synergy with our conversation today is economic development. Um, and as our region is growing extremely diverse, uh, it's important that uh, all the communities and all the demographics understand the opportunities that are coming in the different industries. And so this conversation in itself is going to help um, the rising generation be able to navigate the, uh, that land. And I'm also a member at large for the Central Long Island branch of the NAACP, so All right. very important. Very good. Um, that's my civic engagement role within my community as well. Great. Um, we couldn't think of better guests and better partners to have in this initiative, um, and we're excited about what this future is. But why don't, why don't we just kind of share with the listeners a little bit as far as what the Economic Inclusion Initiative is and, and how it all kind of started and, and maybe a little bit as far as where we are today with that. Yep, mm-hmm. and I'll just jump right into that. So. 
with COVID-19 as we were doing the Babylon's Back initiative and my role at that moment as a special projects manager, um, and we were just knocking on the doors and, and kind of getting a better um, understanding of what the small businesses within the Babylon Township was going through, mm. we quickly realized that all the businesses were impacted, but even more so a lot of the uh, minority and women businesses Absolutely. across the sure. town. And so we were talking, I was talking to Matt actually and saying, you know, is there any way for us to help fill some of the vacancies that have uh, come from this pandemic? Right. You know, is there any way that we can potentially uh, bring in education and also just awareness of how to work with the landlords and, and be a bridge between the landlords and potential tenants? But that kind of ballooned, that was just the, the first idea, and that ballooned into what we have now, which is the Economic Inclusion Initiative which is essentially uh, an innovative program to uh, provide technical, financial, and legal assistance to mm. existing and aspiring uh, minority women and veteran entrepreneurs within the Babylon Township. A cornerstone of this effort is also the storefront development program. So we've been able to secure two leases, one in Straight Path and Wine Ash, mm -hmm. and one in Amityville for two local minority owners that have now been able to take their businesses from their basement and from another township into these uh, vacancies within our town and one of the storefronts actually is already paying dividends as they've gotten garnered interest from AT&T and the Suffolk County Sheriff's Department to further invest into um, re-entry inmates that are coming from Suffolk County Sheriff's that are just being released for re-entry so it's paying gotcha. a lot of dividends so far and we also the third component to the economic inclusion initiative is a uh, uh, Black and Brown Millennial Survey that partner with Minority Millennials. Yes, yes. And that's important because you get a gauge as to some of the socioeconomic needs that this rising demographic and a diverse demographic mm -hmm. um, is saying that is necessary to really play a part and be an investment into um, this economic development role. And so, but I, I think it's important just to kind of get, kick this off to Tracy because, as, as I said, the first idea was just a storefront. So yeah. we have to give a lot of homage and kudos to Tracy because when we were speaking with her, it was really her vision to broaden it into what it is now sure. and what we're working towards. So I'll also, um, you know, just, just Thank you. pitch it off to Tracy to talk a little bit about. Well, you know, and it, and it leads into what some of the challenges are, right? So what the Babylon IDA recognized, which is what banks and business associations and chamber of commerceers need to recognize is that when people are talking about recovery, they are not honing in on the recognition that women and minorities were already behind. Right. So recovery for them means you will get back to where you were, which is still behind. Right. Sure. And that's sure. why you need to pay special attention to those businesses in the communities to ensure that they get that boost, that extra help. Because as Dan mentioned, all businesses suffered through this horrible virus and, and the time of the virus. But we can't put programs in to get people to be back where they were without looking at where they were in the first place. Sure. And that's why the economic inclusion plan is so important. Sure. 
And I, and I think one of the things we've seen, and, and, and again, this past year, definitely shed some light on some things that people weren't looking at. So as bad as it was, it's also in some ways there's a silver lining that may, some good may come out of this, you know? Somebody was saying it's okay to have the conversation. And we've had like, you know, kind of what you alluded to before. We've had these conversations in some ways before, but it's about action. You know, that's, that's the big thing, the taking action, not just talking about the problems again, but, but moving forward. You know, do you, can you comment on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a slogan that we like to run with is called proof of progress. And that's what the Babylon IDA is doing with this initiative. It's, um, in the next five years, we, one of the goals would be to look back and see what was the progress. And, you know, did we miss anything? Are we able to scale? Is there any metrics to show uh, true and authentic economic development? You know, mm -hmm. that's really creating new generational wealth. That's really creating new wealth within the industry and GDP for Suffolk County and, and across Long Island. So sure, that's, that's uh, very important. Yeah, and I would add, Tom, that just as you mentioned, it's fine to have the programs in place, but if there's no measurement, to actually see whether we're making progress. Right. You can put all of the different programs in place, but they still have to have action behind it. So as an example, you know, the minority and women-owned MWBE, those targets have been in place. The state has actually increased those goals. Sure. But what has to be looked at and evaluated and put action to is that what are the requirements in order to actually get the certification? Um, are people getting certified? Uh, are we looking at that process? And then what are the exceptions that are out there that are being utilized so that people are not getting those opportunities? And that's one of the things that this economic inclusion plan is focused on which is the real results sure. of those goals. Okay. How have we identified? Um, I know that way back when, when we, we did the initial press conference, you had a couple of business owners that were there. What is the chat? That's got to be a little bit of a challenge too, identifying, right? Some of, the, some of these people that are maybe working out of their basement, and that's part of what we're doing here today is trying to get the message out. And hopefully some of the listeners, it's not just to educate the community on what we're doing, but it's also to get the message out and that we can get more people out of their basement or out of their garage or wherever they're working from and get involved in this program. And uh, what kind of challenge and what kind of response have you been able to get uh, from the work that you're doing? There's a huge challenge. Um, there's there's a, a level of sometimes mistrust with some of the uh, components to what it means to give your information, let's say, to a potential non-governmental agency, right? There's, this, mm -hmm. there's that component to it a number of times. And what we've seen with the COVID-19 impact is a lot of minority businesses didn't qualify for the PPP loans because of their lack of uh, paperwork that needs to be required. Right. Right? Right. So there's a lot of those barriers to um, funding from traditional banking systems that the PPP required. So right. that same type of um, inadequacy there also presents itself as a challenge when we're talking to them about their structure of business. You know, how can we help? And sometimes it's really just going back to structuring their business plan so that we can further scale their business um, and get them prepared for future funding. Sure. So, but the challenge is, is tough because it's um, you have to really 
somewhat go right into the trenches and get, get to the grassroots and, and communicate and see where the businesses are that are not storefronts, especially right. if we're targeting minority women and veteran businesses, because a lot of them kind of uh, just be working out at this point virtually or digitally. Um, and so it, it, it's been a challenge, but with the education and with the word of mouth, right? So in the past eight months since we released this and launched the press release, people are starting to refer you know, other businesses and their friends and saying, hey, listen, the Babylon IDA has this program that has really been helping us. And it could just be giving, you know, we do weekly peer-to-peer conversations and we speak to the, the businesses weekly. And just it's just a, a, a moment of hope in, in a way. That's what we're getting a lot of response back. Sure. It's, it's just, I have someone to talk to that's reassuring, not condescending, too. That's another challenge that we've noticed is some of the businesses feel like they're not, not that they're not confident, but there's just an apprehension to talk about, you know, revealing, is it revealing the vulnerabilities of their business structure. Okay. And so, yeah, and I think too. that it's important to talk about the paperwork piece of it. Yeah. So, as Dan mentioned, what the findings were is that most small businesses, but even more businesses that are owned by minority and women are not paying themselves a salary. So they are taking their revenue, they are uh, paying their expenses, but one of the expenses that they do not put down is their own salary. So they're putting everything back into the business. So that's a good thing. Right. But when you are applying for a PPP loan, those are one of the things that was a requirement is that you had an employee. So if you didn't have an employee, you were not eligible, right? right? right. So we need to just take a look at the whole piece of it is what was that paperwork? What was the documentation that they didn't have? But more importantly, why is it that they didn't have it, yeah. right? So they didn't have it because they weren't paying themselves and that they right. were putting it back into the business. That should not be something that is a disqualifier. Agreed. Right? Yeah. So yeah. those are the things that I think more broadly banks, financial institutions need to take a look at the why and not just, well, you didn't have the proper documentation right. because it's a, it's a much bigger discussion that we need to have with that. No, agreed. And, and we, we, there was a lot of things that came out with the first round of funding too, yeah. right? There was a lot of companies that, you know, it was really meant for <laughs> the small companies and some of the larger companies were taking all the money because they had the relationships with the bank. So there were things that were going on that, yeah. So there was a lot of criticism there. A lot of different things, right? You guys are, are faced with a lot of challenges and we're seeing some results, but what are some of the opportunities you see or what, Let's let's look at the upside uh, of of what this program can do, and and what you see as an opportunity for these young business owners as as they go through this uh, program. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, it's economic growth. It's just creating new wealth within the region and within communities, and also within the, the business owners' families, and you know, being able to hire and spur innovation. Also, um, there's so many industries, you know, even with the potential of an infrastructure bill that's coming into play, and mm. new industries like the offshore, offshore wind industry right here in Long Island, there's so many different opportunities that um, as we continue to, to build the structure of existing MWBEs and aspiring MWBEs, we can get them prepared to have a, um, an investment and, and play a role in this new industry, and basically, and being able to take part into 
Um, for instance, you know, the engineering industries and carpentry and a lot of construction and with regards to real estate development and all the, the offshoot from those developments that a lot of predominantly minority women businesses have not have been able to um, benefit from. And so as we continue to grow and develop the structure of the business, then they can you know, take part in this moving forward. It's a great opportunity for mm -hmm. people that live on Long Island, inside Babylon and, and, and beyond. Sure. Because there are so many ideas and innovations, especially that's come out of new ideas as it relates to COVID-19. Mm -hmm. People have reinvented themselves. And what they have found is that this economic inclusion plan allows them to take the leap from you're doing something on the side to you're really becoming a full-time business. Sure. That you're not only being able to sustain yourself, but able to grow and hire others within that same community. Sure. So it's, uh, it's a great opportunity. And again, I think you have some, and we can talk about that a little later, some of the people who have started to come through and, and, and what they're um, experiencing right now as part of the program. You know, with everything, even here, right, uh, we look at this program. Uh, we partnered with you to be able to accomplish this. Uh, this was an initiative that you started with, but we're here to kind of help you through this in any way we can. And I look at relationships and resources, and we do have some in place, and maybe you could talk about some of the relationships and the resources that are available through this program, and maybe talk a little bit about what else we see as some of the other people or other you know institutions and things that we need to get involved in this program to help help it make it successful. Yeah, well, we're currently working with you know Hofstra University and their EAC program, mm -hmm. um, and it's been an incredible help because as Tracy just mentioned, it kind of really helps us gauge where the business is as far as revenue and potentially growing that revenue to hire new employees. Mm -hmm. um, and, but there's a lot of programs specifically like in, in Empire State Development now that we're looking to replicate and bring that here to the Babylon Township. Specifically, it's the, their Minority Women Business Enterprise Fund. And that helps us because we really can't continue in, to sustain this type of program without the adequate funding. You know, we need funding to be able to reinvest that into this program if it's for educational services to provide investment into legal assistance or technical assistance and utilizing the resource that we have as the IDA. And so it's incredibly important to raise funding um, as, a, as, a, as a program so that this is sustainable and sure. be able to partner with companies. One of the, the, I think, very exciting things that we were able to put together, actually Tracy, was spearheaded this was we have a, a, a business startup called Grubbar and they had an incredible technology and this is a blind dance uh, based business and their technology was a chip that would be able to sense whether or not you opened up your food on a food delivery so it's, it's for like uh, Uber Eats I, I had seen that, that yeah, yeah that was very, great very very interesting yes and they're in the process right now actually as we're speaking they're pitching their business um, concept to Harvard Institute um, fellowship for potential investment. And so this, this is one of our business cohorts that we're working with. Right. And we were able to partner and connect them with the lesson, like Tracy did actually. And even in that conversation with an industry leader that has years of the vast experience in that specific industry, they were able to give so much knowledge to RubGuard within an hour or two hours that would have cost who knows what in any other type of program. So you can't even put a price 
on that type of relationship. And those are some of the things that we'll be able to um, provide to our business cohort, is the relationship that the IDA has and the relationship that our senior staff and advisor has. Sure. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. It really is exciting. Tracy, really, really yeah. exciting, you know, because, and to see a local resident come up with this phenomenal idea and potential hmm. and to connect them to, as Dan said, a true leader in the restaurant industry that's also right here in Babylon is amazing. Hmm. You know, and what we need more of, though, is we need the banks and the financial institutions sure. to really move from talking about investment in the communities to actually action. Sure. Because there's money there. They need to unleash and trust and be more flexible so that it can allow those that are in the IDAs that have already identified and vetted these companies to prosper. And, and I know that you have reached out, and can you share with us a little bit of the response? Has it been that much of a hurdle? Or? Yeah, I think, it's, um, I think that there's interest there. Okay. What we have to overcome is we are in unprecedented times, so we need unprecedented solutions. Mm. We need new solutions. The old model of capital investment cannot apply here. So we need more innovation on their end as well. I think that the desire is there, but when you're doing the same thing for a long period of time, it's hard to make a right turn. Right. You can curve a little bit, but we need the right turn. You need the right turn. Okay. <laughs> right? Yeah, I always like to use the right, the expression, you know, uh, the definition of insanity, mm -hmm. doing the same thing over and over again right. and expect yeah. a different result. And yes, we want better results and get different results. And and I th also think that, you know, not to talk about my background, but I was in insurance financial services for 20 plus years. And we used to talk about the difference between cost and investment. You know, when you look at cost, it, it was a negative, but if you look at something as an investment and this is an investment for the future and, mm -hmm. and hopefully this is something we can uh, we can maybe get some additional resources or continue to help you with that and get you in front of people that can help because that business owner that maybe was sitting that now has an opportunity to take their business from where they are to I mean that's an incredible that could be an incredible it story is, and, and I'm sure there are more out there there's <laughs> more out there and I think what we need is more of the banking and financial institutions to focus on outcome what is the outcome that we need to achieve and Absolutely. what can they do in a flexible way in order to achieve that outcome as opposed to trying to fit into their existing programs that may or may not work Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just to piggyback on that, because that's so vital right now, because some of the conversations that we've even had with potential um, investment from banks is, they're, especially when it comes to racial equity, which is very big right now because of the past year and a lot of things that we've recognized as a country and as a region with the widening gap of wealth right. between you know, black families, black families, and white families, and just all the differences and the reasons how it got to that point. But it, when we speak to banks, there's a lot of interest for equity investment. And that's tough because a lot of the requirements that would go into that would be similar to that as getting a PPP loan. So how are you really trying to solve some of these racial equity problems if you're, again, like what Tracy said, the requirements of, is kind of the barriers to entry for financial um, access sure. and investment. 
So really, also with this economic inclusion program, we're investing into the, uh, the, the real startup, the preparing them to even be able to get to the equity investment, while we're also talking to the banks and trying to get them to understand how to change their direction of investment. Sure. So there's not these certain requirements that is incredibly difficult to um, ascertain. And there's companies that have been doing this for hundreds of years mm-hmm. that have 30 lawyers on their team and a staff of financial advisors and angel investors that are pitching these, and we're doing this as a startup organization. So, you know, there's a lot of disparity within that as well. This subject is starting to get the attention of corporate America a little bit and and recognizing that, you know, they they need to make an effort uh, and get involved in this right now. With that, you know, we look around and and we have, you have a model and this is, again, this is very exciting to listen to some of the results and things that are coming out of this program. Is there any programs you see around that you know, or exp- someone who's experienced this type of program before that you're seeing that had success that you can kind of emulate a little bit as far as what they're doing? You know, I would say that um, most of the economic inclusion plans are just starting. So I think that the great opportunity is I believe the town of Babylon mm. is in the forefront, mm. you know, you. Uh, which is a wonderful opportunity you know, for all of Long Island to show that this can work. Right. Uh, You just have to actually support and not talk about supporting it. Right. Actually fund and invest. And if they do that and do the real work, then everyone is lifted. Sure. There'll be, you know, more homes purchased there'll be more disposable income spent. You know, so when you're talking about doing economic inclusion, it actually benefits everyone. Sure. Uh, But for too long, people have, you know, looked at this and did a lot of talking, formed a lot of committees, but really didn't put the real work in. And that's what I see that the Babylon IDA is doing, is putting the real work in. That's great. Well, you guys are doing a lot of that work, which is great. And so, so basically, I guess what you're saying, too, is this can become the model that people look at. That It's the experience and the things that you're putting together that others will be able to look at and emulate and, and create opportunity. Yeah, and I would just say that why not, right? Long Island is pretty much the model of what... Um, suburban kind of economy, you know, started from in right. the 50s. Sure. With, you know, Levittown. And a lot of the reasons why there's so many disparities in economic growth is based upon how a lot of uh, the, the developments of Long Island were situated, the foundation of it coming from that sure. time. And so why not it be Long Island that starts the innovation of how to fix a lot of these Absolutely. Um, foundational problems that we've had yeah. across the country? Because people are leaving. Yeah. To go to other places, right. you know, that is a reality. Also, as, you know, Dan pointed out with the survey uh, a while ago, is that those that are achieving their advanced degrees are unable to achieve high-paying jobs. So we have to really do an all-in on this, yeah. <laughs> you know, to 
ensure that the workforce development pieces are there, that those companies that are being, uh, that are being attracted to come to Long Island are those high paying jobs, that people have an opportunity to live where they want. So economic inclusion doesn't just stop at economic sustainability, it is a broader issue. Sure. Uh, that touches every facet of, uh, of everyone's life. Agreed. About the survey, and this is kind of like a, this is something that's been coming up a lot in conversation. I would love your insight in this as well. Not to throw out a question, but it's something that's a real feedback as far as with the advanced education. Because what we're seeing is that there are, especially with the industries, and um, being able to be getting contracts to facilitate a lot of the development projects, if you're a plumber or an engineer, or a construction company is, you know, we have to really start navigating too, is, is it m more beneficial to pursue more of an advanced degree or it, to invest into these type of businesses mm. as um, these industries continue to present a lot more opportunities, specifically like with the offshore wind and what our region is, um, is, is really starting to attract. And so that's something we, we are gonna continue to navigate with the economic inclusion plan is the education component. You know, is obviously always continuing to um, advancing education, but at the same time, there could be a possibility to um, build up your business, and that's what we want to be able to do, so that you can attain some of the same financial wealth and ability um, that you know you would pursue with an advanced education. Makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. You know, advanced education is for certain segments of jobs, uh, but we also need to provide those opportunities to those that want to have a skill trade. Uh, go into the union, uh, a lot of renewable energy, mm -hmm. you know, and solar. Uh, everyone needs a plumber, an electrician. Yeah. You can actually have a very good living um, with those jobs. But you have to be able to get the opportunities yeah. in order to do that. And that is another component of the economic inclusion plan is creating those relationships with the educational institutions as well so that there's a path that people can choose to pick on their own. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we could just kind of share with the listeners, um, you know, you shared with me the one story with the, the business that has the chip, uh, but maybe we could talk about some of the other businesses and people that are coming through the program right now that, mm -hmm. you, that are some of the success stories that you're witnessing. Yeah, so I think the, what's really glaring as a success thus far is that we've had probably about Right now, we have with 30 to 35 businesses within our cohort mm. that we're actively talking to and communicating with. And the biggest success is that there's a place for inspiring entrepreneurs to come to. They, everyone keeps saying, I'm just so happy that there's someone to give us some clarifying information or feedback on what I should do next. That's great. So it's, like a, it's, it's really providing hope for people that have these ideas, but they're scared to maybe take the next step or... They just uh, don't feel confident in whether or not this can be a successful business. And so we're providing them with the reassurance that just even having the idea yeah. is an incredible step, especially during a pandemic. And so another business that we've been working with, actually in um, she's creating a, a wellness center um, on uh, Wellwood Avenue, right, in, in the downtown village of Linders. And she signed up and she said, I see all these developments going on, you know, Tri-Tex building, a huge apartment complex. And I just know that there's going to be so many people interested in wellness, and I just don't know what to do. And so we were going with whether or not she should, should be um, 
you know, a WBE certified business, or if she should go to a nonprofit route, we helped her with some legal assistance. Oh, and you know, every time I talk to her, she's just so grateful and, and excited that there's guidance with the next steps. And so, um, and obviously we have our two storefronts that are gonna be doing their grand openings within the next month. Yeah. And one of the storefronts, as I mentioned earlier, is partnered with the Suffolk County Sheriff and AT&T. So, you know, now these investments are paying dividends with major corporations and um, our Suffolk County Sheriff's Department to that is further investing into more lives that provides human capital investment also yeah, yeah. at this point into um, just a wellness and, and a safe place for our community. So I would just say our success story right now, aside from specific business growth, is a place for people to have hope that their idea may work and we're nurturing that idea. That's awesome. That really Fantastic. is, and, and for just the support alone. Yeah. You know, I, being in small business and knowing small business owners, they need a place to go, and that is such a great thing because you need direction. You need yeah. somebody to bounce something off, and that's yeah. great to hear. Tracy, you want to add anything to that? Or? No, I'm just so excited for the opportunities, mm. you know, and I think that if we are able to help this first group, more will come. Mm -hmm. Because there will be more trust yeah. and there will be more word of mouth. And that's really what is needed is for this to take those that are included and grow them to the potential that we know that they have. And then also identify and support those new people that will be coming yeah. knocking on the door. That's excellent. Really is. I forget who said it, but it was if you want to be successful, learn to add value to people's lives. And both of you are adding tremendous value and we're happy to partner with you on this this initiative. We really are. Maybe before we close, we can just kind of share with our listeners. If someone's listening and, and they want you want to grow that thirty five, I know we do, uh, who would be a good candidate? for this program or if they're sitting listening they, it could be somebody maybe that just has an idea or that somebody yeah. has started the process and how they would be able to reach out to us and get in touch with us absolutely yeah i mean so absolutely if you are a minority or women or a veteran business an aspiring business uh, maybe you've taken uh, just you know putting on reserve because of the pandemic and you're looking to get back into the, the business economy we this is the place for you to, to reach out to Economic Inclusion Plan under the Babylon IDA. That's great. Um, and so we do have a link on uh, babylonida.org. So that's Babylon IDA. I'll say it a little slower. Dot org. And Babylon is back. Sure. Uh, dot com. And the phone number to reach us is 631-587-3679. And if you want to reach me directly, also my email is dloyd. So that's D-L-L-O-Y-D dot T-O-B at gmail.com for this specific initiative. And I just also say we're, we're in the process of launching our first summit. So this summit is gonna be huge with regards to um, a very powerful and impactful speakers that are experts with regards to um, NWBEs, but also giving more insight as to how to get access to the industries. Like for instance, the MTA Third Rail, which is you know right here, sure. obviously in the town of Babylon or across Long Island and other industries. So we'll have a date for that coming up as well that's great and uh, please send us that we'll make sure that we get it out to our listening audience and as you know we also started a newsletter mm -hmm. uh, that we had done in conjunction with the podcast so we'll be more than happy to get that information out to the listening audience uh, Tracy any parting thoughts before you I just want to thank you for taking that leap 
and really doing the work. Uh, I think that it is, um, it's just groundbreaking. Mm. And it's my hope that other townships, other regions will follow. We hope so. And uh, like I said, the, the value you were adding to people's lives is great. I want to thank my guests again, Tracy Edwards and Dan Lloyd. Uh, my name is Tom Dolan. You've been listening to Economically Speaking. Have a nice day. This episode of Economically Speaking was brought to you by the Town of Babylon IDA. For additional information and to find out how to stay connected, like us on our Facebook page at Town of Babylon IDA, as well as our website, BabylonIDA.org, where you can subscribe to our email listing and find links to our latest episodes and newsletters.